Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this morning, Robert? Ali, just fabulous. Thanks so much for having me on again and talking about the week that was. Another crazy week. Needless to say, it all started Thursday night when Baker Mayfield played savior for the Rams coming in, defeating the team that shall not be named on this podcast anymore, which I'm sure you took great joy in watching. Am I right? What a way to start. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And I can't believe that we're actually saying Baker Mayfield on the Rams, rescuing the Rams. Uh, And yet here we are. Yeah, I don't know how much how much of a rescue it is. They're still not going anywhere, but it gave Rams fans something to at least feel good about. And living in L.A., I know that the Rams, Raiders, even though they don't play in the same div- division, let alone the same conference, there's still rivalry there. The Raiders fans obviously say that they're still the original Los Angeles team. Rams fans a lot are just trying to defend that they didn't become Rams fans five years ago. But it was a good game to watch, nevertheless. And we had a ton of great games yesterday, particularly the night game was really good to watch. I really enjoyed some of the other games. I did not enjoy watching my Giants pretty much get blown out before the first quarter ended. But we'll get all to that in a second. Let's talk about the betting trends real quick, Robert. What what are we looking at? Favorites versus underdogs, overs, unders. How did the books do this week? Yes, yes, Allie. Dogs rise again. It's been kind of the theme of the season. Uh, we're looking after the Chargers beat the Dolphins 23-17 to on Sunday Night Football. Uh, they did close as three-point Home dogs, plus 150 on the money line. It did stay under the 55 points that we posted. Uh, NFL favorites went 7-4 and four straight up, but dogs led 7-4 and four against the spread. Home teams went 6-5 and five straight up and against the spread, and totals uh, went over uh, 7 out of the 11 games. Yeah, and I did pretty good on my picks. I was 7-5 and five against the spread, a few bad beats, the Bills were pretty much comfortably covering for a while. Then they allowed a late safety and a last-minute field goal with just over a minute left that squashed my pick of the Bills right there. Cleveland probably had every chance in the world to cover against Cincinnati in the fourth quarter, and they just kept messing up. Deshaun Watson still doesn't look like he's he's 100% there, definitely looks rusty. But otherwise, it was a winning week, so I'll take it. And let's start with the Bucks 49ers, Robert, because you and I disagreed most about this game when we had our episode on Wednesday. I was all over the 49ers. You were all over the Bucks. So since I could claim that bottle of wine when we do finally meet in person, <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you explain this one. What happened to the Bucks? So much yuck. Oh my <laughs> God. And yeah, the Niners beat Tampa 35 to 7. They won yardage 404 to 322. Yards per play, 6.8 to 4.4, 44% to 25% on third downs. Rushing is where I made a big, big circle with a giant Sharpie and then just blasted a hole through my paper. Uh, Outrushed them 209 to 69. Uh, And then obviously the drive point drives where they can claim the clock, for, for lack of a better term. These are drives of 60 or more yards. They outscored Tampa Bay Buccaneers 28 to 7 there. Uh, and then turnovers. Obviously, you know, that's a major factor in, in any kind of a result. Uh, three to one in favor of San Francisco. Tampa also had three fourth down failures to one for San Francisco. By the way, the Buccaneers 
and their last 11 games are now one nine and one against the spread. It's, it's ridiculous, but I, I'm not going to brag, but this was one of my best bets of the week. I always said that I like batting, backing very good teams with their backup quarterbacks. I watched Brock Purdy a ton when he was at Iowa state, he was there for years so even though he's technically a rookie, he's been around for a few years. There was a graphic last week how Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy are the same age. And it, it's, wow. it's crazy to think that. That is insane, actually. It is. But Purdy looked good. I, I didn't think that he was the greatest, but he did what he had to do. It was definitely a Christian McCaffrey show. But as as dominant as the 49ers were, that's not what surprised me. I knew they were going to come out. I knew they were going to score points. But I didn't think that the Bucs were going to be as terrible as they were. I thought Tom Brady coming back to San Francisco would at least make a game out of it. I knew that San Francisco would cover in the end, but I thought this would be at least a 7-10 to point contest when all is said and done. Robert, it was 35 nothing at one point. I think that if if it was if the Niners played the last quarter and a half actually played, it could have easily been a 50 plus point game. Is this more indication of how bad Tom Brady in the offense was or what was the 49ers defense that good? Yeah, no, both actually. And, and, and on all sides of the ball, Ali, from what I witnessed and the notes that I took, it's again, just a an epic collapse. Their, their offensive Tampa Bay's offensive line has just been decimated and there's there's nothing left there's there's not even table scraps left for for Brady so he has no time and that's what happens and when you see it in real time against an elite NFL defense that's exactly what's going to happen uh Brady had no time to to do anything and not only that from the other side of the ball uh I mean Tampa kind of knew going in that, you know, Purdy was going to get a full start and they were going to have to figure out exactly how to manage that. If they had all that time to, you know, to figure it out, they, they still had 35 put up against them. So it's the offensive system that San Francisco has in place showing you that once again, it doesn't matter who's a quarterback for San Francisco. They're going to put up their points and they put them up in bunches yesterday. Yeah, and Brady again. He had a he had to throw fifty five times that they didn't even come close no. to, to to making this any type of game. So let's shy away from the Bucks because the Bucks have really been bad all year. We're not surprised at that. San Francisco they went through a little rough patch at the beginning. They seem to have weathered the storm. They were hot. They were probably the hottest team after the Eagles the past few weeks, and then Jimmy Garoppolo went down and Brock Purdy came in. Robert, is is Brock Purdy for real? Is he going to take this team and lead them at least to the NFC Championship game? That's a tall order. Uh, well, I guess we're going to have to answer it right here. I uh, put you on the spot. <laughs> to, the, to the NFC Championship? Yeah, I'll say NFC Championship. They'll probably uh, face the Eagles. So you're eliminating Dallas. Dallas almost lost to the Texans yesterday. So before- yeah, it's true. <laughs> they did. Uh, all right. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. Because I, I just m- moments ago said it didn't matter who the quarterback was. So, yeah, I'm, I, I better double down and say yes. We'll see the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And you're right. We'll, we'll probably touch on Dallas for a little bit a little bit later. But uh, they, they, they barely had 
that game taken away from them, you know, in, yesterday against Houston, and Houston's got one win on the season. But uh, I, I think honestly, uh, it's those three teams: it's San Francisco, it's Dallas, it's Philly, uh, in, in no particular order right now. But I, I think honestly, uh, Shanahan's system at San Francisco is so airtight that it doesn't really matter who's a quarterback. Now, fortunately for them, they have a very capable uh, rookie here. And uh, he followed a, a basic playbook that says, hey, uh, this guy behind you named Christian McCaffrey, you're going to want to involve him in a lot of the games. Oh, and by the way, Debo Samuel, he's pretty good too. Yeah, I, I always have to say that. <laughs> I think it's Christian McCaffrey more that leads them to the NFC Championship game. But you got to give Brock Purdy credit. But Robert, I mean, there's a really good chance that the Niners aren't going to get the number one seed. That's, the Eagles have that away. But they should at least, I could see them jumping over Minnesota and getting the number two seed. Because I honestly see the 49ers winning outright. I think they beat the Seahawks on Thursday night. The Seahawks haven't looked good in weeks. I think they beat the Commanders at home. I definitely think that they beat the Raiders. But then week week uh, 18 against the Cardinals, who knows if they sit their starters or not. But there's a very good chance San Francisco can win outright. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to side with you here. Uh, right now, I just think, the, forget about the trend. I just think that they're, they're sizing themselves up and, and knowing that there's really not much to discuss in terms of their injuries because they're they're able to surpass them. I think you're going to probably see them succeed here going down the stretch alley as well. All right, let's move on to last night's game, the Dolphins against the Chargers. Robert, I can't believe at one point, I think Tua was something like three for 17 passing and how he finished wasn't that wasn't even close to being good. This was basically a Tyreek Hill showed up for the Dolphins and basically that was the only offense that showed up for them. So what went wrong here for the Dolphins last night? Because this is the second week in a row they've really struggled. And that this and struggling is definitely putting it correctly. You know, they uh final score for the Chargers 23 to 17. They won yardage 432 to 219. Right. And this is a very un-Miami type of a box score. Normally they're the ones on that side of of, of the ledger. So when the end up having that many points scored up against them, you would think that it's really not much to discuss because they're good for, oh, 30 or so, right? I mean, it's it's not even a question if they're going to be able to score that many. It's kind of their defense. Well, their defense only gave up kind of a, a manageable score, 23. Uh, so when you break it down a little bit further and you see that, Miami didn't even get into the red zone. Uh, you you got to factor in where the failures are, right? So note that uh, it's, you're right. It, it's honestly, Allie, it was, you know, the Tyreek Hill show pretty much all the way. You know, the, uh, it, it's, it's just a strange, strange affair where if you don't get in to, in, to the red zone to even have a chance to score, uh, how are you going to be putting up any points? 17 is as low as I as I recall them putting up. Mm-hmm. So is it really just not that good a team anymore? Ali, uh, I'd I love to hear your take on this one. So I went back and forth with the Dolphins all season. You remember in the preseason, I actually took their under in their win total. Mm-hmm. I wasn't buying the Dolphins hype. I thought actually it would be semi 
comparable to Arizona, just be a shit show. I didn't think Tua was going to be as good as he was. And he's really had a stretch of games where he's been that good. But the last two games, he's really faltered. I understand against San Francisco because they do have the best defense in the league. That was one of my best picks last week. This week, I did pick the Chargers to cover and win outright, actually. We we disagreed on this game as well the other day. From what I was seeing, though, with Tua last night, I couldn't have even predicted he was going to be that bad against a Chargers defense that isn't good. It, it just, I don't know if this was an anomaly. I don't know if he's just now going through a bad stretch or if this is the Tua that is really the inconsistent Tua that we've seen the first two seasons. I still need a little more time to make a, a proper evaluation. I don't want to overreact or underreact, but I will say Tua is not in consideration for MVP anymore. That that That's a definite, he, he played himself out of the race. It's going to come down to Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, probably Jalen Hurts will will edge pat mahomes because mahomes has won it before but robert my my thing is this game i really will put the blame on Tua. is is that wrong to say no of course it's not it's he's got everything there it's not like he was you know short a tight end or having a a backup left and right guard all the pieces were there for him to win it was just the lack of execution they they never they never even sniffed the red zone that's unheard of uh, all season long. And so they've started to show cracks. Um, now, this still kind of obviously, you know, plays into the, the favor for them to make the playoffs. Uh, and we could continue to break down their division. Um, but it definitely looks like Buffalo has, you know, righted their ship in, in terms of winning the division and quite possibly even getting still, uh, you know, a, a first round bye in the playoffs. Miami, on the other hand, after this one, uh, it definitely looks like they can't travel anymore, Ali. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's funny because they were doing all the comparisons last night to the 2020 NFL draft because, as we know, Tua was drafted number five by Miami. The L.A. Chargers took Justin Herbert right after them. I would say, because they were doing who has a better career, Robert, who would you rather have as your quarterback right now today, Tua or Justin Herbert? You know, uh, right, with today's NFL game, uh, I'd probably, yeah, give me give me Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I said that I was having a discussion with a few people on Twitter this morning. And if you look at their three-year career, Justin Herbert's been the more consistent player. He's already set a record, I believe, the first, the most amount of passing yards in the first three seasons. Tua's just had a really good stretch of a few games this season his first two years you can't chalk anything up and I will say the Chargers are going to be a dangerous team Robert because last night they finally got Keenan Allen back and they finally got Mike Williams back it was the first time they both been on the field together since the first week of the season I think this Chargers team and I had picked them to win the NFC what the AFC West before the season I think now we're seeing a Chargers team that is that is getting back to their strength and they're going to be dangerous come postseason. What do you think? I think so as well. Um, and so if we break down and take a look into my small crystal ball here, uh, we'll look at the Chargers schedule. They'll be, see, what am I put them up here? They're hosting Tennessee. I've got them as a three-point favorite. It's small little bit of movement right now as they're starting to see money being taken on Tennessee, uh, but not not enough to get off that three. So favorite at home, 
and then we're gonna go week 16 at the Colts. And that should be a win. That'll be a win. Hosting the Rams. That'll be a win. And then uh, at Denver. So, you know, I always said you got to pick up 10 wins or more. They've got seven already. Let's say so Tennessee, if they, they win Tennessee, Colts, Rams, Denver. I mean, they could they could get 10. They could They could win out and get 11 wins and make it into the playoffs. I think they lose this week to Tennessee. I think coming off a big win like that on Sunday night, I think they fall a little flat. I think Tennessee has just had two terrible games in a row. I think this would be a good game for Tennessee to bounce back in. But I do like them winning the final three and finishing the year 10-7. and And that should be good enough for a wild card spot, I would think so. Right. All right, let's move on. Unfortunately, we have to talk about this one, but the Eagles versus the Giants. Robert, I don't even want to talk about this, but from the first drive when the Eagles just had that, it was something like a ridiculously long nine-minute drive or something like that. I knew we had no shot. Our defense looked atrocious yesterday. I was so embarrassed that if I was Wink Martindale, I would have been more embarrassed than anyone else in that building yesterday. I know the offense didn't really do much, but they were behind the eight ball from the start. You had the special teams screwing up when Gillian, the punter, dropped that punt and set Jalen Hurts up at the 30-yard line of the Giants. I mean, sum up this game for me. Pretty easy, right? Uh, the Giants gave up 437 yards. Yep. Uh, third downs, Philly was pretty much you know coin flipping their way to Succession, 55% on third downs. Uh, and they allowed the Eagles to rush for 253 yards. Uh, right? So that's that's a recipe for a, a giant success. Uh, now, if you just kind of just pull back a little bit more as, as we're down to the last few weeks, the Giants' defense this year, Ali, have, have given up 430-plus yards to Philly and Dallas. So, you know, for, let's let's – Forget about moving outside of the division. You know, against the top two, uh, we're just just hemorrhaging against them. And, and it's not – it doesn't really need to go really much further than that. They're going to need an awful lot of help on the defensive side of the ball in, in the offseason to, to compete in this division. I was just going to say, because you really couldn't fault the offense that much because they were behind so quickly. It was Before yeah. you knew it, it was 21 nothing. And Daniel Jones did show up to play. It's just Saquon Barkley, you could tell his neck was bothering him because he barely was in playing the snaps. I, I really chalk it up to this was a defensive failure. They did not show up to play. I know Leonard Williams was out. I know we're still missing Xavier McKinney. We're still missing some ma- other major guys on the defensive front, but this was inexcusable. You let that team literally run all over you. It was just the Miles Sanders show. Jalen Hurts, I believe, just ran more than he had to really throw. Right. It was just, it was missed tackle after missed tackle. That, that, that fourth down touchdown to Devonta Smith. Yeah. I couldn't believe how Julian, I, I thought that was getting intercepted. I don't know how you don't intercept that ball or you don't, you don't hit it from the, receiver it was just a blown tackle a missed interception I just if I'm Wink Martindale I'm so embarrassed by my defense today and I'm lighting a fire under their asses because Robert this is it this week if you lose to the commanders you're on the outside looking in for the playoffs the Lions are hot the Lions they play the Jets this week I'll actually be at that game on Sunday so my brother's a Lions fan 
but this is this is it. You need to beat the Washington Commanders in Washington. You you screwed up last week when you didn't beat them in the overtime game. What do you think, Robert? Is this the make or break for him this week? Yeah, it is, right? And so, again, now we, we come back to that tie last week against Washington and how important that was. They flexed this game already to Sunday night. Uh, yeah. And the Commanders, I opened them up as – I really want to open them up short. I opened them up four, but it's already up to four and a half, and I saw five just appear for Washington as the home team here. So uh, they'll have to win here on the road as a dog. Then it doesn't get any easier in week 16. They'll be at Minnesota, probably be catching a touchdown. Uh, Week 17, hosting the Colts, maybe a little win there as a a field goal favorite. And then you end the season at Philly, right? And you'll you'll probably be a a 10-plus point dog there. So, again, the magic number is 10. You're at seven right now. Uh, you got to win three of the next four, and it starts right here on the 18th of December. I would hope, because I usually love backing teams coming off of embarrassing losses. I feel like you get embarrassed, you play your heart out next week. I would hope that the best thing that came out of this just debacle yesterday is that they will show up against Washington next week. That's my biggest hope. I don't have the best feeling because this team has just let me down since it turned November. But what do you think, Robert? How do you feel going into the Washington game? It's fair. Yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of tough to pick up pieces and and say, well, you know, here's what was good from getting blown out by the Eagles. Uh, But all you can do right now is is heal up and, you know, prep for the next team. And I mean, you really have a very good idea of what the commander's playbook is. So uh, you you would think that they could fix things and, and make their way in. So uh, my initial lean, you know, is you know, definitely grabbing points, you know, alongside with you just from a betting perspective. Uh, but they're going to have, uh, they're definitely going to have their backs against the wall here in Washington next week. Yeah. And one quick note, I think that how bad the defensive played it actually took away a lot of the blame from Daniel Jones. It was the first time I was reading articles in all the New York papers yesterday that actually commended Daniel Jones as the only player that actually showed up to play yesterday. So I I, I was happy to see that. I hope that the brass does realize we have a ton more to do with this team than just try to look for another quarterback. I think it would be smart just to give Daniel Jones franchise tag him, keep him from another, keep him another year you're going to have to make some big adjustments to the defensive line. Same thing in the secondary, same thing with the offensive line. So there's a lot more pieces of the puzzle you got to fix first. All right. The last game I want to highlight was another one of my best bets of the week. And that was the lions beating the Vikings. Robert, what did you see in this game? This is fabulous because gambling Twitter insisted that Minnesota should have been the favorite. Well, Oh, yeah, I know. You should have seen all the Twitter trolls we got into arguments with last week that said I was crazy that I was so confident with the Lions. So the Lions did end up not only winning, but they covered as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They, Of course, they won 34-23, put up 464 yards of offense to 416. Uh, rushing was a, a big, big factor. Uh, they outrushed the Vikings 134-22. to uh, and then, of course, turnover battle. Uh, Lions uh, forced two turnovers and protected the ball without turning the ball over at all. Both of them did have a fourth down failure. Uh, the Lions missed a 47-yard field goal try. Uh, but the defensive wolves continue, Allie, for Minnesota. Already uh, 
one of the worst in the league before allowing 464 yards on 6.7 yards per play to Detroit with no takeaways. Uh, and, oh, man, those surging Lions, they're now – Five and one straight up in their last six. Only loss was by three to Buffalo on Thanksgiving. Six and zero against the spread. This is like a an orchestra, you know, at the crescendo. Just like at, right at the moment, it's they're talented, they're enthusiastic, and they're healthy. Ali, I can't believe it. Good for the Lions. I think they make the playoffs easily. I, I really do. I think either the line, either the lose, the loser, of the Giants, Commanders game this weekend is not going to be in the playoffs, and the Lions are. I think the Lions beat the Jets. I think they have a favorable schedule the rest of the way. I've been high on the Lions since before the season started, and I know we just talked about gambling Twitter. If you look at the Nothing Belongs Twitter page and you see how much arguments I got into with Vikings fans over the past two weeks, it's crazy. I don't go back and brag. That's always been my. I don't do. I told you so. That's always been my mantra. But I have been saying all season that the Vikings are not what their record indicates. I really haven't seen that signature win. I know people want to point to the Bills game. But again, I reiterate, Josh Allen was a game time decision. He probably shouldn't have even played. There was a lot of factors that went into the Vikings winning that game. Otherwise, they played the Dolphins when Tua was out. They When they beat the Lions the first time, that was only after DeAndre Swift and Amon Ra went out. They were also right. still, they didn't have Jameson Williams left. I just I think the Vikings remind me of last year's Tennessee Titans. They're going to have the record, but their talent level just doesn't match to what their record is. In the first round of the playoffs, I would take the Cowboys over the Vikings again. Even we just saw the Cowboys blew them out a few weeks ago. Definitely the 49ers over the Vikings. Heck, I might even take the winner whether it's the Bucks or the the Carolina Panthers or the Atlanta Falcons, I might even take the winner of the NFC South over the Vikings. I just, I don't see the Vikings besides Justin Jefferson, Robert. I don't see what else they have. What do you think of the Vikings? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you kind of nailed all the notes there because, you know, where, you know, years ago it would be, you know, feeling as a key contributor, he really hasn't done much of, of all on offense and, you know, cook for as, as talented as he is. I, he's kind of just been, silenced the whole entire season hasn't really had any kind of a breakout game but the biggest the, the biggest factor that i want to point at is that they're just the defense there's there is none right there is none. They, they you know they regularly have points in bunches being put up against them and you know right now in, in this league you got it to succeed look you're right they do have the wins but that doesn't really matter because those losses that they do have they're like really stinging losses. And, and those are the ones that really stand out the most. Now, sure, they're you know, obvious. And by the way, we're moving to uh, games on Saturday again as we get closer to the oh, end. I love that. And so the Vikings will be a small favorite hosting the Colts, but I don't really have much faith in backing the, the, the Vikings at home here, even against the Colts. So uh, it's, it's going to be really tough to take a look at Minnesota's schedule the rest of the season and say, yeah, you know, it, it's, it, it looks like it's good. I mean, favorite against the Colts, but they could lose that. Then, of course, we mentioned the Giants. They're going to have that, you know, key NFC matchup there for a playoff spot. Uh, they'll be at Green Bay, and then they'll be at Chicago. So those are all coin flip games. I don't see them as big favorites in any one of them, Allie. 
Yeah, and the Giants are capable of pulling off the upset. We saw them pull off the upset against teams like the Ravens earlier in the year, the Packers when the Packers were still thought to be good. So the Giants do have the capability. I know that they're severely injured right now. It doesn't look like they're getting too many reinforcements back. Leonard Williams will be a big difference when he is on the defense. They might get some other help back, but I do think that the Giants can be a sneaky play against the Vikings. Okay, let's move on to our next segment. And since we have Christmas coming up in less than two weeks, obviously all kids want to be on Santa's nice list and not the naughty list. So, Robert, we're going to play a game of who's on the naughty list. I'm going to name a team, and you have to say which player, coach, or front office personnel is most to blame for this team's failure this season. You ready? Okay, this is good. Sure, let's do it. All right. Who's on the naughty list for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? God, it's been such a weird season, to be honest. I mean, Tom Brady, he doesn't even look the same with, like, consistent throws of 5 to 10 yards, like, within the line of scrimmage. You know, although, you know, there's been more, like, downfield throws as of late, it's, you know, it's nothing like it was back in the, you know, the fly off the handle Bruce Arians days, you know, I guess with that being said, Ali, oh man, that's kind of just like a fraction of the issues. Defense kind of been playing well. I mean, uh, not, if, not if you look at yesterday, you know, there's major injuries to the secondary throughout the season. You no know, Shaq Barrett that I'm looking at now. Offense just hasn't gotten it done. So, I mean, the, the offensive line was depleted entering the season due to injuries. So, okay. So I'm I'm going to then, if it's not the O-line, and I, I can't really say it's Brady because Brady's not getting the time. This running game has just been horrible. Uh, yeah, of course, the passing game has been affected by the offensive line, but no, it's definitely the running game. It just hasn't been there for the Bucs all year, and especially in the red zone, where you absolutely have to capture points. So my uh, my finger, naughty list, running game, Tampa. <laughs> I was I was going to put Todd Bowles here because he just looks so outcoached every game. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't even look like he's coaching half the time. But then I'm going to pivot to the front office because they knew the holes that they had coming into the season. They knew that Gronk wasn't coming back. They needed help at the tight end position. He was one of their key receivers. They knew they had lost Antonio Brown. They brought in an aging Julio Jones who definitely hasn't lived up to any kind of potential he had coming into the season. Mike Evans has just disappeared this season. I don't even know where he's been after the season. What happened there? My God. And they lost several guys on defense, Jordan Whitehead, just to name a few. I I honestly think the front office just didn't do its job this offseason. I think they focused on, is Tom Brady retiring? Is he not? They probably had a few plans in place of what they were going to do at the quarterback situation. Had he not returned, he did return. That's a big salary ca- to go against the cap. So I will blame the front office for not doing the job and filling in the replacements where they needed to be. All right, next one. Who's on the naughty list for the Arizona Cardinals, Robert? Uh, I could point so many fingers. So, uh, okay. I guess so far this season with the Cardinals, the idea of, you know, running it back has kind of seen the opposite of what their intended outcome is. So, look, we got 
with the Cardinals, there's multiple injuries to the offensive line. Again, you know, we're talking about the O-line. You know, then there's suspensions, injuries to almost the entire receiving core. You know, defensively, they've been they've been inconsistent. You know, they've made big plays and, you know, forced turnovers. But then, like, the very next drive, you know, they, they just completely take off an entire set. They don't, they're not rushing the pass. They're not stopping the run. Uh, definitely seen a regression in Kyler Murray. Absolutely have seen a regression there. The kicking situation, and I know we never really talk about kickers, but that's anything been but stable. They just four kickers on the year. You know, one of them was so bad, he was benched after missing an extra point. You know, and then, uh, you know, Kingsbury. You know, so I guess in the end, you know, what's really the core? Um, the Cardinals just aren't talented enough, Allie. They just aren't. Um, so I'm I'm gonna point my finger on all of you, the entirety, all of it, everything inside that stadium. I know it's I'm I'm really wanted to get something specific, but man, it's just been a complete failure from A to Z. Yeah, it definitely has. But if I'm gonna blame put the blame on one person, it's gonna be Kyler Murray. He pulled a lot of bad karma in the offseason. First, he demanded a trade. They really wasn't. They were really weren't looking to trade him. They gave him the contract extension he wanted. Then there was controversy over that because they told him he had to watch film study. <laughs> yes. That was disrespectful, even though he had already signed the contract. So then <laughs> they had to take take out the language that he doesn't have to watch film study. Well, he he's played pretty much the season like he doesn't watch film study. So they probably should have left that clause in the contract. <laughs> so I'm a hundred percent blaming the season on Kyler Murray. All right, next team. Robert, who's on the naughty list for your favorite, the Las Vegas Raiders? <clears throat> for this one. Um, all right, look, this this whole Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler thing, this is it's it's not working, right? So there's lots of reasons to be concerned for for this. And it's they they've been consistently like just epically brilliant at collapsing in the fourth quarter. So everyone's calling now, you know, get McDaniels fired, you know, and I guess those arguments are kind of valid. It, offense has gone cold, uh, but there's, I, I really want, I, I I just want questions answered. Here's, here's my question, right? So Ziegler's gone, he's kind of done well with, you know, contract extensions, obviously, with, with Carr and, and with Devontae Adams. So that's that's nice. Then, you know, you, you get some future draft capital. But you get that capital. And, like, for example, their secondary, you could see it all year long. It's just so thin and it's so bad. How do they address it? Eh, let's put five running backs in the running back room. Good. So we're going to see a lot of running plays, right? No. It's Josh Jacobs every single time. Hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs. Throw the ball to Josh Jacobs. Keep him in for blocking. So the, the construction of the roster is just really, really. I just, I just question the whole entire thing. And their defense has just hasn't been answered. So one of those two, I'm just gonna say the both of them, Jorge Nolos Dos, Ziegler, McDaniel's, get out of here. Yeah, I totally 100% agree with you. This is a team that was a playoff team last year. You could have stuck with your interim head coach, who the team really gravitated toward, who they really liked. 
You chose to go with a failed head coach and Josh McDaniels. And this is what you're doomed with. You, you got Devontae Adams in the off season. That should have been a key that should have propelled you to being a very good team. And it made you only worse. So hundred percent agree with you there. All right. Next team, Robert, who's on the naughty list for the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I guess unlike the the Buccaneers of 2021, the Rams didn't exactly run it back. <laughs> uh, let's see this. Okay, so I, I, you know, I've been many times quoted on our podcast by saying, you know, they they sold their soul after winning the Super Bowl. So let's let's just let's exactly see what that means, right? So Whitworth retires. Uh, I'm just looking at last year's roster. Corbett, Darius Williams left in free agency. Von Miller's in Buffalo. Robert Woods was traded. Uh, opted not to bring back Sony Michelle. Eh, right. So to an extent, they were really key contributors in the Super Bowl run, right? And it's kind of hard to know, like, un- until until they're gone, you know, just how much the Rams were going to miss them. Um, and, and by the way, how about the coaching staff? That was gutted. Kevin O'Connell, he's, you know, he's obviously with, he's with the Vikings. He, and then he took Wes Phillips with him. Um, uh, Averro, he's now with Denver. Marcus Dixon, he went. So there's, there's far more than just the players that were missing and, and you know, saying there wasn't really anything there, uh, you know, from, you know, the draft to, you know, to fill it because their coordinators left. So, you know, not to mention, you know, losing coaches like Brandon Staley, Aubrey Pleasant, uh, you know, front office executives, you know, Ray Agnew the season before, this season before. It's a lot that just disappeared in the offseason. And so that's, you know, you, you want to talk about a, a naughty list. Man, they filled up, you know, really significantly. Just the inability to maintain and, and roll back what they did to succeed uh, absolutely is, is the largest reason as to why they they failed. You know, they just didn't have any leadership to to bring together a team. And, uh, you know, it, this is exactly where you end up. You end up sub, sub, sub 500. Yep, totally agree with you. I think this one will be an easy one, but how to do it anyway. Who's on the naughty list for the Denver Broncos, Robert? Yeah, <laughs> definitely easy here. Uh, God, man, how many primetime slots did everyone think that Denver was going to be worth watching in? <laughs> right. This doesn't stop. Right. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to put the pair. I've got two index fingers, one on the left, one on the right. One is for Hackett. One is for Russ Wilson. The defense still very good, but Hackett, Wilson, naughty. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree there. I think even more Russell Wilson than Hackett. Hackett, I'll give a little bit of a break to. He is a first-year head coach. There's still a lot of learning curves there. But Russell Wilson, he came into Denver. He already had the clubhouse. Kind of annoyed with him when he pulled up in that ridiculously huge Hummer. He thought he was a man. He's getting a dose of reality. You're not as good as your your Seattle Seahawks tenure indicated especially now you look what geno smith is doing in your place so russell wilson number one on the naughty list all right our final segment is always everyone's favorite and that's our buy or sell segment so you ready for this one robert i'm always ready for i know it's early i know it's early but we're gonna we're gonna rough it up early let's go let's do it this is all right buy or sell brock purdy will be the starting quarterback for the nfc in the super bowl 
Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's too early. Where's my coffee? No, no. All right. No, okay, I have to. I got to come up. I got to come up with a position. Um, I'm selling. That's it. I'm selling. It's either Dallas or Philly. I'm selling. I'm going to buy this one. I really think, and this isn't my Giants bias, but I think a Niners versus Eagles game, the Niners will be by far the best defense that the Eagles has seen all year. I think they will finally falter against a top defense in the league. I'm going to say, yes, Brock Purdy, the next Tom Brady. <laughs> Maybe not that far, but he will. I think he will get them to the Super Bowl. Love it. I love it. All right, next one. Buy or sell. Roughing the passer penalties will be allowed to be challenged next season. Uh, well, yeah, I know. It's just, and it's just so hyper extended. Right? It just, it happens like every time we watch, and we always wonder, like, okay, why? It's like we're having this, this, this reaction. It's just like your your knee kicks out with a rubber mallet every time. You're like, okay, where's the yellow flag on that hit? I'm going to sell this. Uh, judgment calls, I don't think, are ever going to go away, but the rules right. continue to be amended. You know, this, I, I guess they made this amendment back in 2018, you know, and it's only tangentially related to the issue of, I guess, forcible contact, uh, you know, that the competition committee clarified in the spring. It's just so strange. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to even go into the the details of this rule, but I mean, back in, oh man, I guess I'm going to be playing back in my day. <laughs> Quarterbacks would just get absolutely torched. And, there, and there's no flag. It's just a different game now, right? And obviously you got to protect the assets. What are the most important assets? It's your quarterbacks. It's the face of the franchise. It's the face of the league. So um, you, you're going to have these penalties and it's going to be judgment call, but we all know that's, those quarterbacks are going to be protected very, very, very highly. Yeah, I agree with you. They don't want any more challenges in this game. They failed with the pass interference challenge right. a few years ago. They're not going to make a mistake here. All right, next one. Buy or sell, Robert. Pat Mahomes will win the NFL MVP. You know, uh, is he the only quarterback, like, ever that has, quote, like, a bad game when he throws for 350 and three touchdowns? against the top five defense in the league. Yeah, it's pretty much just, you know, it's so incredible. Um, I think I'm going to sell. Um, I think it's Jalen Hurts. I, I, I've got to make Jalen Hurts there. I think if I look at like my top five or four, at least Burroughs definitely, you know, entrenched himself there. Allen's still there. Obviously Mahomes. It, it, to me, it's Jalen Hurts still. Yeah, I'll agree with you there, though. I would vote Pat Mahomes over Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts, he's been a great story, but the Eagles schedule, the, it, it has been easier than the majority of the better teams in the league. I think Jalen Hurts is just surrounded by talent, not taking anything away from him, but he does have the best offensive line in the game. He has two of the best receivers in the game. Before Dallas Goddard was hurt, still one of the best tight ends in the game. He has a great running back with Miles Sanders behind him. I just think that he has so much more than Pat Mahomes has, but I do think that the voters will give Jalen Hurts the award. All right, next one, Robert. Buy or sell? Tyreek Hill will reach 2,000 receiving yards this season. All right, we're going to have to dig a little. This is, this is a great number, by the way, so... 
think he's got like 1,400 yards already. 14, yeah, 16, something crazy. Right? So um, they're going to obviously be playing meaningful games, right? And, and again, it starts right here with this incredible rematch against Buffalo on Saturday. So he'll probably get a nice chunk there. Then hosting Green Bay, he'll get a nice chunk there at New England and then hosting the Jets. So if he's picking up like a buck, Fifteen buck twelve a game with four to go. Ooh, this one's gonna be close. I think he's gonna just miss out. Oh my god! And it's not like they're gonna say, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter. We made the playoffs. You know, let's let's pad the stats. No, no, these these games are gonna really matter down the stretch. It's not like they're gonna just say, you know, let's go ahead and get him his two thousand. So I will. I'm gonna sell. He will just miss it. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. The Bills are going to be a tough matchup for the Dolphins. Same thing the last week of the playoffs, uh, the last week of the season. The Jets still have a top defense, even if their offense hasn't been producing as of late. So I'll agree with you. I actually think Justin Jefferson will have a better chance of hitting the 2000 than Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill will come close. All right, final one, Robert. Buy or sell, the Panthers or the Falcons will win the NFC South instead of the Bucks. <laughs> I just tweeted this out last night. <laughs> One of those teams is going to absolutely host a playoff game. I don't know. So, look, maybe the Falcons might have to make an about face because they said during the bye week that Ridger's going to be their quarterback. I mean, you can make the playoffs here. I don't know. I mean, but look at this. This is insane, right? A couple of weeks ago, you know, Carolina coach was his name, Wilkes. Yeah, he kicks Robbie Anderson off the field during a loss to the Rams and trades him to Arizona the next day. You know, I don't think he's caught in a pass with Arizona. <laughs> it's literally, they were imploding. Since then, Carolina's, what, four, two, and one straight up. Six and one against the spread with Sam Donald and P.J. Walker at quarterback. I'm buying it to hell with it. I'm buying it. I think one of those teams is absolutely going to win the division. I'm going to buy as well, and it's more because I think the Bucks' schedule is a lot harder than either the 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 Falcons or the or the Panthers. This week alone, they have to play the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a loss to them, so they're already going to lose this week. Yes. So all the Falcons or the Panthers have to do is win, and I believe the Panthers hold the tiebreaker over the Bucks because they beat them earlier this season. Then they got to play the Cardinals in Arizona. That's definitely going to be a toss-up game. And then their last two games against the Panthers and the Falcons, Robert, they, they might lose both of those games. <laughs> they could. They could. So, I agree with you right there. Yeah, I mean, Tampa's going to host Carolina. I, I figure it's going to be a, probably a touchdown favorite. And then at Atlanta, there's a very good chance they could be dogs. I mean, it, you know, it, it's it kind of depends. You know, we'll have to see if they decide to, you know, do the whole Ritter thing if if it's Ritter quarterback, it's Tampa probably going to be the favorite. But as we've seen, it doesn't really uh, mean that they're going to win that game. You're right. Right. Well, that is our show for today. I want to thank everyone for joining. And before we sign off, Robert, who do you got in tonight's game, Patriots and Cardinals? I, and it, we kind of touched on the Cardinals again. And I honestly really thought when we, when we closed Sunday and we had Patriots as a one-point favorite, I figured, yeah, this makes sense. I think I think the Cardinals will probably get to pick. Nah, it went the other way. Patriots are now two and a half point favorite. The total set to forty four on the road in Arizona, and it just as bleak as it seems. I, I gotta still 
feel that the Cardinals pick up some pieces here. I think the Cardinals get the win here tonight. I agree with you. I have the Cardinals both winning outright and obviously covering since they are dogs. I think that the Patriots are there in a bit of a rut. They've lost, I believe, two straight. They were just embarrassed by the Bills on Thursday night last week. They obviously lost to the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day. I think there's going to be clamoring for Bailey Zappi to get another shot because Mac Jones doesn't seem like he's going to be the answer. So I agree with you right there, Robert. All right, that is our show, everyone. Robert and I will be back later this week to give you our picks for the weekend. And I want to thank everyone for joining. Take care.